All right, so this morning we will be continuing on in our series called A Journey of a Lifetime. Now, uh, for this series, we've actually been picking, uh, we have a set of theme verses that we have been going through over the last couple of weeks. So if you've been here for the last month or so, or, or been following along online, hopefully these verses are starting to become very familiar, and perhaps even memorized as well. So these are the theme verses, and they're going to be up on the screen. This is Colossians 1, 28 and 29, and here is what they say. Him we proclaim, this is talking about Jesus, Him we proclaim, warning everyone and teaching everyone with all wisdom, that we may present everyone mature in Christ, and Paul says, for this I toil, struggling with all his energy, that he powerfully works within me. So this this journey of a lifetime that we are talking about is a journey towards spiritual maturity in Jesus. Now, this is about us as individuals, but this is also about the ability to take others and walk with them towards maturity in Jesus as well. So this is the very heart of these verses in Colossians, and it is the goal for Paul, but it is also the goal as we as followers of Jesus are to have as well. Now, to help us understand the different stages along the way to spiritual maturity, we have been looking at a text from 1 John 2, because it describes the movement from someone who is a spiritual child in the faith to someone who is becoming a young man or young woman in the faith, to someone who is becoming a father and mother in the faith. Now, this text actually gives us distinct qualities of each stage along the way. And here is what it says, starting at verse 12. I am writing to you, little children, because your sins are forgiven for his name's sake. I am writing to you, fathers, because you know him who is from the beginning. I am writing to you, young men, because you have overcome the evil one. I am writing to you, children, because you know the Father. I am writing to you, fathers, because you know him who is from the beginning. And I write to you, young men, because you are strong and the word of God abides in you, and you have overcome the evil one. Now, as we've been digging into these passages over the last several weeks, we have been using the illustration of a bridge to describe the journey between these different stages of spiritual maturity. Now, we're going to have this this picture up, up on the screen, and as you will see, underneath this bridge, there are pillars that support us to move from a child to a young man or young woman to a father and mother in the faith. These are pillars that must be built into our lives to move us from one stage to another. Now, over the last several weeks, we have been looking at the pillars that allow us to move from children in the faith to young men and young women. So namely, and these these all come, again, based out of 1 John 2, namely these have been overcoming the evil one, which means we're talking about resisting the evil one, and understanding sin in our lives. We talked about spiritual strength, which comes from a deepening identity which is rooted in Christ. And we talked about the word of God abiding in us, where the Bible becomes the lens through which we see the world, see how we come to know God, how we view ourselves, and how we view our life here in this world. 
Now, this morning, we are going to be moving on to the second set of pillars, which move us from young men and young women in the faith to fathers and mothers in the faith. And in the process, we're going to be unpacking just a slice of what it means to know him who is from the beginning in 1 John 2. Now, I want you guys to recognize that this second set of pillars draws and builds upon the previous pillars that we needed to move from a child in the faith to a young man and young woman in the faith. So think about this a little bit like being a physical teenager. Teenagers need to draw upon the lessons and experiences that they had in, as kids in the world in order to transition into the adult world. This is also true of our spiritual journey and our maturity with Christ. Now, as we look at our first pillar this morning, we are going to actually encounter it in our theme passage. So we're going to be returning to our theme passage in Colossians 1, 28 and 29. Here's what it says. In this very first part, for those who might be listening online, this is underlined. Him we proclaim, warning everyone and teaching everyone with all wisdom, that we may present everyone mature in Christ. For this I toil, striving struggling with all his energy, again referring to Christ, that he powerfully works within me. Paul specifically states two key things. As he is looking to present everyone mature in Christ, he is doing so with all wisdom. But he's not just talking about any old wisdom, but he is talking about a wisdom that is inseparable from our relationship with Jesus. Going back to that picture, him we proclaim. Now here is this morning's pillar of maturing. And if you're following along in, with the notes, you can find this there. The very first pillar is godly wisdom. So to mature from a father or, or mature into a father or mother in the faith, a spiritual young man or woman must begin to view life through and draw wisdom from a heart bond with Christ. Let me say that again. A spiritual young man or woman must begin to view life through and draw wisdom from a heart bond with Christ. Now here is our first point this morning. Wisdom either flows from and through Christ, or it flows from the world. Now, at first, state, uh, at first pass, the statement is probably a little obvious. However, as we dig into it a little bit more, we start to realize the weight of this for our everyday lives. So let me give you a situation to help you feel how weighty and how important this difference between wisdom really is. Imagine yourself as a teenager. Okay? You are beginning a new school year, and there's tons of options in front of you for what you do or do not do, not only for classes, but also for the extracurricular activities that you will be involved with. How do you, as a teen, navigate all of the good options that are in front of you? Now, if you're a teen here this morning, I'm pretty sure you might still be wrestling with questions like this now, as you're looking forward to the end of the school year. Or are you looking for, what, what am I going to be doing over summer? Or if you're, a, if you're more of an upperclassman in high school, what am I going to be doing in college? You need wisdom 
in order to know which direction to go. But here's the question. Where will you find that wisdom? Now, if you are a parent here this morning, what wisdom would you give? Okay. So, as we read on in Colossians, we find the Apostle Paul addressing a situation where the church believed that the wisdom that they were moving ahead with was godly wisdom. When in fact, Paul identifies that it's actually something else. So we're going to jump a little bit ahead in the book of Colossians, and we're going to look at chapter, chapter 2, starting in verse 20. But before we do so, let me give you a really quick background as to what's going on. Now, a teaching had come into the church that had essentially said this. You want to be spiritually mature. Great! If you want to be spiritually mature, here's a list of do's and don'ts that will help you do so. Okay, here's how Paul responds, starting in verse 20. If with Christ you died to the elemental spirits of the world, why, as if you were still alive in this world, do you submit to regulations? Do not handle, do not taste, do not touch. Referring to things that all perish as they are used according to human precepts and teachings. These indeed have the appearance of wisdom in promoting self-made religion, in aestheticism, and in severity to the body, but they are of no value in stopping the indulgence of the flesh. Okay. Paul, functioning as a spiritual father in the faith, quickly identifies and addresses a subtle shift that has taken place within the Colossian church. They have bought into a wisdom that does not flow from a relationship with Christ. In other words, the wisdom that they're holding on to and giving is from somewhere else. They have elevated the do's and don'ts as the basis of spiritual maturity, and entirely miss the issues that are actually happening behind the scenes. And here's the kicker, and this is what Paul says. These teachings indeed have the appearance of wisdom, but they are of no value in stopping the indulgence of the flesh. This wisdom that they're giving and, and being given, it doesn't actually work because it has no power to deliver on what it promises. It just looks and sounds like it does. Okay, here's the next blanks for your notes. Worldly wisdom can often be mistaken for godly wisdom. So what was happening with the Colossian church was they began to define sin on an action level. What they do or do not do. And as a result, the antidote was simply do the opposites. Okay, so for them, they're wrestling with questions about what foods do we eat, and what liquids do we drink, and what festivals do we celebrate, and they came up with an easy solution. Just don't eat and drink and celebrate those festivals, and you won't sin against God. In other words, to deal with a sin, don't do those things, and you'll be fine. Okay. 
this sort of wisdom still actually impacts us today. Here are some more recent versions of this that have filtered into the church. Don't go to dances, because dances lead to kissing, which leads to sex. So to prevent that, just don't go to dances. Or how about this one? I notice that my kid is becoming super selfish. Their whole world revolves around them, and I don't like that. So I'm going to make them volunteer to serve more, or maybe join a sport, because that will build their character and make them not be more selfish. It'll focus them on others. Now, if we're truly honest, this sounds an awful lot like godly wisdom. And don't get me wrong, I'm not saying that volunteering or sports are a bad thing. They are great things. But there's a couple of problems in how we're addressing these situations. Because if we were to pull back, we begin to recognize things behind the surface. See, what we're aiming to avoid, and the problem we're addressing, is actions. Now, if you were here earlier in the series we looked at four different layers of sin. And actions was actually the top layer. But as we dug down, we saw that sin is actually more than what we, just what we do. We dug a little below the surface and we saw it's actually not just what we do, but it's what we think. We went below that. It's not just what we think, but it is about this desire to determine for ourselves what is right and wrong and play God in our own lives. And there was a level even under that. And it was this. At the deepest level, it was all about self-love. It was all about me. Okay. Here is why this, this recommendation that is being given only has the appearance of wisdom. And it actually has no value in stopping the indulgence of the flesh. It never addresses the root problem. It's on level one, and the issue is on level four. Self-love. See, the solutions that are being given are rooted entirely in ourselves. What I do or do not do. And did you notice, did you notice that not a single one of these solutions focused on Christ and our relationship, our connection with him. In fact, the only time that God is mentioned, even if it's only in the back of our minds, is so that maybe we, we, we won't sin against him. See, this kind of wisdom is about the individual. It is about our responsibility, how we do or do not act. It is about me. And the problem is that that becomes our definition of wisdom. It's about me. It is individual or human-focused wisdom. Now, to put this even more bluntly, individual wisdom does not equal godly wisdom. See, wisdom that does not flow from a relational connection with Christ is not godly wisdom. Now, let me give you an example of individual maturity and wisdom and why it is so tricky. 
as parents, as adults, as teens, we think of wisdom and maturity in individual terms. As parents, we kind of think like this. I want my kid to grow up to have all the skills and wisdom they need to one day get a job, move out of the house, and live as a functioning adult and parent. Our end goal is that the individual, our kid, would continue to mature as an individual in the world without us. In other words, maturity is that they're out on their own. But here's the problem. Spiritual maturity and wisdom are not rooted in the individual. It is rooted in the relationship. Now let me give you a different picture to help you see what this looks like. I'm not going to go too far on this because uh, Ken is going to be unpacking this more next week. But think about a maturing marriage relationship. The end goal of a marriage is for two people to be moving towards one another, to be sharing their hearts, to be sharing their lives. And ultimately, it is that they are more and more unified, having a heart bond with each other, and more and more unified in spirit. This is a bond that is meant to grow continually over a lifetime. Spouses that do so are moving towards what we would call a mature relationship. And ultimately, it results in, wi in wisdom and how in this relationship they love one another and how that then actually impacts how they, as individuals and as a married couple, are relating with others. They relate more as a married couple than as individuals. And our lives are redefined because of that relationship. And it becomes a lens through which we see the world. In other words, I am the husband of faith. It is a defining mark of who I am. And it impacts the choices and the decisions that I make in life. The same is true of our relationship with God. The deeper we go in that relationship, knowing him who is from the beginning, the more Christ is always the lens through which we see all of life. And the end result, and these are the next blanks for your notes, the end result is this, that godly wisdom relates back to a heart bond with Christ. Paul, speaking as a spiritual father, says this immediately after our theme verses in Colossians 1, 20 and 29. This is Colossians 2, 1 through 3. For I want you to know how great a struggle I have for you, and for those at Laodicea, and for all who have not seen me face to face, that their hearts may be encouraged, being knit together in love, to reach all the riches of full assurance of understanding and the knowledge of God's mystery, which is Christ. Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Christ is the end goal. And the wisdom flows from him. 
See, Paul is calling them and us to find wisdom that is not rooted in individual wisdom, but is about a heart bond with Christ, a deep, intimate, freely given love back and forth with Jesus that grows deeper and more mature all the time. It is in him that all treasures of wisdom and knowledge are hidden. This means that wisdom in every situation must flow from and relate back to moving someone, ourselves, and others towards a deeper heart bond, a greater affection for and relationship with Christ. Okay. Let's go back to the very first situation that we started with this morning, and let's look at it as a, from the perspective of someone becoming a spiritual parent in the faith. What wisdom would they give? Okay, so your student is faced with tons of choices about what extracurricular activities to be involved with. Our natural desire is to ask questions like this. What will keep them happy, safe, and out of trouble? This quickly can help determine the do's and don'ts of the extracurricular activities. Now, however, as someone who is moving to become a father and mother in the faith and using godly wisdom where Christ is the lens, there are a different set of questions that start to come out. The biggest defining question being this. Is my student's heart moving towards Christ or away from Christ? Now, notice that the result of this means that we can't come to a situation with easy do's and don'ts in hand. All right, so let's see how this plays out with a, with a real-life example, with this question. Let's take this situation. Should my students play basketball this year? Now, if their heart bond with Christ is the real issue, then to answer that question with godly wisdom means first... Asking questions like this. Is basketball shaping their identity, or is their identity in Christ shaping them both on and off the court? Is being a great basketball player becoming more important to her than her relationship with Christ? Is basketball becoming the love of their life, or because of their growing heart bond with Christ, are they beginning to see it as an opportunity to look around them and present others intentionally mature in Christ? In order to answer these questions well, as parents, both spiritual parents walking along aside teens, walking aside other people, even other adults, and as physical parents, we need godly wisdom. So how do we grow in godly wisdom? Well, first, and here, I'm, by now I'm hoping this is becoming a little obvious, growing in godly wisdom requires that we have a growing relational connection with Christ. This is a bond where we're freely giving our hearts to God and receiving from God's heart through our relationship with Christ. This means that we are constantly more and more in tune with God's Spirit as this bond grows. And as we become spiritual fathers and mothers, the wisdom that we give to others flows directly and relates directly back 
to our bond with Christ. Now, this may also seem obvious, but this also means that in order to do so, we have to discern if we are growing in godly wisdom. We must stop and take a serious look at our own hearts. Now, if we were able to look at ourselves from an outside perspective, would we be able to say about our hearts, our affections, is our love moving us into a deeper bond with Christ, or are our hearts and affections being captured by other things? Let me give you two really practical ways that can help you answer this question. First, start by asking God. He wants a heart bond with us. And he will help you see where your love is going so that you might turn and fall more in love with him. He wants a deep, intimate relationship where you know his love and you love him more deeply. But here is the second. Ask those who are closest to you, who get to see the real you, the person that not everybody gets to see, and especially ask those who themselves are growing and becoming mature in their relationship with Christ. Now, this could be a close friend. If you're married, it could be your spouse. If you're a teen, it could be a, your parents, or it could be a youth leader that you're close with. And if you're a parent, if you're a parent, it could be your kids. They get to see you day in and day out. It takes a lot of humility to be willing to let someone speak into your life like this. But more often than we like to admit, we need others to help us see the things that we cannot see ourselves. This also means growing in godly wisdom requires that we are developing discernment. Now discernment functionally means two different things. First, it means that when something is presented as wisdom, we are able to look past the surface and see if that wisdom flows from and points back to that relationship with Christ, or if the wisdom sounds true, but in reality the wisdom is individual wisdom. In other words, we are able to recognize if something is or is not actually godly wisdom. But there's a second component to discernment. It is a relational component. Discernment also means that with God's help, we are able to look at another person and recognize what is going on beneath the surface in their life. We are able to look at the fruit of their lives, their motives, and get a glimpse of if their heart is moving more and more towards Christ or if they're being captured by something else. In other words, as you listen to and talk with someone, you begin to hear answers to questions like this. Where do they find meaning and purpose in life? What is their identity rooted in? What do they believe God to be like? How do they relate with God? What is the most important value in their life? Where are they giving their love? Who is Jesus to them? These are just a sampling of questions. 
So then, as someone who is becoming more mature, moving towards that father and mother in the faith, looking to present somebody else mature in Christ, as you build a relationship with this other person, you actually begin to ask questions like this. What do they need next on their journey towards Christ? What do they need next? And how can I walk with them on this journey through our relationship that we together are moving towards Christ? Now, these questions do not always have quick, simple answers, which is why we desperately need God to help us develop discernment in our lives to discern the answers. It also means we can't create a quick list of yes to this and no to that, or even a quick discipleship program to follow where at the end of six weeks, you and the person you are looking to disciple will have arrived at spiritual maturity. This does mean that we must constantly be finding wisdom and discernment through our relationship with Christ. And as we go through the process of maturing from kids to young adults to parents in the faith, And along the way, we are walking with others towards maturity, with God's Spirit helping us to discern where they need to go next. Now, the more that we walk with with others in this journey towards spiritual maturity, the more that we discover while the goal, Christ, and the key heart questions are the same, the approach we take with others has to be adapted to the people that we're walking with. In other words, we use wisdom and discernment even in our conversations, recognizing that others come from different backgrounds, different experiences, different personalities, even different places of spiritual maturity. Words that we use regularly may not actually mean to them what we are meaning ourselves. Now, this doesn't mean that we should shy away from walking with others who come from these different backgrounds and experiences other than ourselves. But it does mean we must constantly be learning about ourselves, others, how we communicate, what others believe, what, what we believe, the, what, the, what they're learning that the, the culture around us is teaching, how the world is changing, learning how to lead and disciple others, and most of all, the very heart is Christ, and moving towards that relationship. So the question is, how do we, how can we spiritually parent well? This means that a fruit of moving from a young man or young woman in the faith to a father and mother is that of becoming someone who is both teachable and a lifelong learner. For your notes, I put it this way. Growing in godly wisdom requires constant learning and a teachable spirit. Now, let me use an example of how this impacted my own life. As some of you may know, I have one sibling, an older brother, Tim. Now, as the story goes, when Tim came along, my parents were super intentional on pushing my brother, um, when he was very young, to be learning, reading, and developing into the intelligent man of God that God has made him to be. And my brother took to it like a fish to water and loved every minute of it. So, when my parents had me, they tried the same approach. 
that tried to push me in the same way. But instead of it resulting in me wanting to learn more, it actually resulted in me in pushing back and resisting. My parents quickly discovered that while their goals could and should remain the same, the approach that they used with one of their kids doesn't work with the other. Now, as a result, they had to be willing to become a student of their kids, learning and being teachable along the way so that they could help us mature in our education. Now, as I've been saying these last couple of sentences and looking at you guys, I've seen a lot of smiles and nods. Parents, especially with more than one kid, you know what I'm talking about. Okay? So, they, my parents, were learning and were teachable because as parents, they realized one thing. It's not about them. It's not about them. As parents, their goal was to bring me to maturity. And instead of seeing themselves as failures and giving up because what did work with my brother did not work with me, they opened themselves up to learning to pursue a different approach because of their love towards me and their desire to see me mature. Here's the cool thing. As a result, they matured as parents too. They actually were maturing as well. These same things, same things are true of us who are moving to become spiritual parents. As our goal more and more becomes Christ and bringing others to maturity in Christ, we too must become teachable and be actively learning in all areas of life. Let me say that again. We too must become teachable and be actively learning in all areas of life. And this naturally flows into the fourth piece of what growing in godly wisdom requires. We need spiritual teammates and parents ourselves. See, we need people in our lives who we have given the right to step into the joys and the pain in our life. Who we are willing to let in and see what is behind the surface. Who are willing to present us mature in Christ with godly wisdom by God working in them and through them in our lives. We need relationships that will help shape us and move us towards Christ. And this is true of you if you're 11 years old this morning, as true, and it is just as true if you're 111 years old this morning. But here's the challenge. To allow someone into your life is costly. It could mean that it will cost you time. It will mean that you have to be intentional in letting others into your life. It could mean that along the way you discover things about yourselves that you don't like, that we don't like. It might mean that you're challenged to give up being comfortable where you are. It might mean that you thought you were more mature than you thought you were. It might mean that you're not as mature as you think. Okay. Yet the trouble is that we won't and we aren't meant to feel our way towards godly maturity on our own. You can't mature in a relationship without a relationship. And the cost is that we miss out on experiencing the depths of God's love towards us in a new way. 
Now, if we were to jump back to Colossians 2.2, Paul expresses that his great struggle, his great desire towards the Colossians is that their hearts may be encouraged, being knit together in love, being knit together in love, to reach all the, the riches of full assurance of understanding and the knowledge of God's mystery, which is Christ. In other words, our journey towards Christ also means that we are being knit together with one another through him. It is about a relationship, not the individual. And as we are knit together, we actually move toward a deeper heart bond with Christ. Now, earlier, one application I gave was to go to someone who knows you deeply and to ask them if your heart is moving towards Christ or away from Christ. If you had a, a challenge thinking about someone who knows you that well, let me give some extra applications. First, ask God to show you who that person needs to be in your life. Someone who will move you towards Christ. Second, ask God if you are keeping people away from entering into your life in that way. And if so, ask him that, you would grow your, that he would grow your trust in his goodness as a loving father to allow you to let others in. Here's our last point this morning. Spiritual parents spread godly wisdom. This is one of the fruit in our lives that marks us as moving towards a father and mother in the faith, as we walk with spiritual children and spiritual young men and women. Listen to these verses from later on in Colossians and how they fit with this picture of presenting others mature in Christ with godly wisdom. This is Colossians 3.16, as well as Colossians 4, 5, and 6. Here's verse 16. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. This is referring to how followers of Jesus are to care for one another. And this is Colossians 4, 5, and 6. Walk in wisdom towards outsiders, making the best use of the time. Let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how you ought to answer each person, how you can help them take another step towards maturity in Christ, how they might enter into that relationship. See, this is how we care for those who are not yet followers of Jesus, but this is also true of how we should relate with those who do as well. As followers of Jesus we are called to spread godly wisdom. We are to do so with discernment. And this is especially true the more mature in the faith we become. Now, if you're here this morning and you're in a place where more and more Christ is your lens for all areas of life, where you begin to see that everything relates back to him in all walks, and that the wisdom that you have is more and more drawn from this heart bond with Christ. In other words, you are growing and have godly wisdom that you can give. God is calling you to become a spiritual parent in others' lives. 
It could be with your coworkers. It could be with teens or young adults. It could be with the poor. It could be with a neighbor across the street. It could be your friends. It could be with the kids in the Pathfinders class or in the kids' rock room. It could be, and this one is especially for those of us who are our parents, or I, I say this with recognizing the full weight of this for myself as one who is soon to be a parent, it is certainly with your kids. But it is not only with your kids. Here is the question for you. Who is God continuing to place in your path, both inside and outside your family, that he is calling you to build a relationship with as a spiritual parent, to move to become a spiritual parent in their life? Let me end with this, because this is true for all of us. Whether we are a child in the faith, a young man, young woman in the faith, or we are becoming and moving towards fathers and mothers in the faith. Let this remind you that God is the source of all godly wisdom and encourage you about the goodness of our Heavenly Father. This is James 1.5. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God, who gives generously to all without reproach, and it will be given to him. God wants a heart bond with you. God wants you to be sharing that with others. Let's pray.